about them Irish. I can't take it anymore. I need a national championship. This is the Four Horsemen Podcast. And we are back. The Fighting Irish destroyed Navy 42-3 to in Dublin, Ireland. A huge victory to kick off what will be a national championship season. No, I'm not overreacting to one game. Yes, Sam Hartman is a Heisman winner. Let's get into it. I'm joined by Steve and the one and only P-Wagon this week. Let's let's send that over to P-Wagon. We didn't hear from you last week. How you doing? What did you think of the game? Hello, hello, uh, I enjoyed the game. I watched my first Notre Dame football game with my son. I cried. Uh, now I'm doing my first Notre Dame podcast with my son. Uh, so really uh, just a big time for the wagons over here. Uh, yeah, looking forward to it today. Steve, what do you think, and how is it down there in South Carolina? Things are great. Uh, I will say, because I, I was hanging on the, the back porch during the game, uh, and I, I have moved my whole setup outside, um, forgetting that I'm I'm now in the South, and it it was it was a little bit warm, uh, so it was weird watching college football, and uh, yeah, it was it was weird watching college football and and sweating my balls off, but. Uh, that's just the nature of where we're at. So I figure another couple of weeks is when some weather is going to kind of blow in for me. If I uh, survive the hurricane that's coming this upcoming Wednesday, hopefully I don't. But yeah, no, wonderful, wonderful experience uh, watching just an absolute dominant performance and absolutely no over-exaggeration. Yeah, this is a national championship winning team. I woke up on Saturday happy for the first time and uh, in about a year. <laughs> So, I was going to say, is there like, is there a preamble to that? <laughs> <laughs> um, just with college football being back, I had a nice solid day. I went out, thought I would go pick up some Tim Hortons, you know, classic Canadian stuff. And, I, and I'm heading down, and this is downtown Toronto. And I go into the corner, I'm ready to go to Tim Hortons, and I see a guy coming at me. He's about my age, and he's wearing a USC Trojan shirt on. And I just have the biggest smile on my face because in any other week I would flip them off but it's college football season I'm just happy to see another college football fan out there and on top of that it's a rival right so I point at him and I say nice shirt good luck today and I pointed at my hat and my shirt and he he smiled and he said thanks and that was it so what a that was probably the most Canadian way to start the season with your rival um, but I'm I'm just pretty happy with it we utterly dominated them uh, I don't think I could have expected a better performance at all offensive line was dominant sam hartman was money just just a great performance all around i just need to say something uh i too got coffee on saturday and i went to this bagel shop it was a little it was a drive and it had new york bagels massachusetts you don't get new york bagels and i I got my sandwich i ordered an iced coffee the girl handed me this coffee that was hot. And she said, oh, the ice melted. And I was like, oh, it's, it's fine. Probably was a long way from my bagel, whatever. No, this coffee was tepid at best. It was just a disgusting coffee. Uh, and they won. So do I have to drink this disgusting coffee every week now? 
Uh, what, what, what's the what's the play? I'm concerned. It was really bad. If if this were Ohio State and that were the case, I think you would be forced to to okay, you know, drink that coffee going going forward. But uh, I I think that you're in the clear given that this was Navy and we were twenty and a half point um, okay, you know favorites. So, so I, I think when I say disgusting, it, it's an understatement. I I think just the coffee enough is good. I don't know if the quality of it will like have that magical quality of superstition with it. I think it's just getting the coffee that if anything, you're probably safe there. Okay, good. Well, if you guys are in the market for some high quality coffee, just stay tuned because we might have a new sponsor coming on soon. I thought you were going to do a shameless plug there and I was about to just die laughing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, let's let's get into it. What do we got next on the docket, boys? Is it uh, is it four horsemen game recap? Let's recap the game, then uh, then we'll rip the horsemen next. Right. Uh, it was from start to finish, right? Like first drive, Notre Dame methodical down the field. Defense was a little sketchy at the at the start. They were giving up some big plays, but you kind of expect that with Navy, uh, and they really settled into their own. Um, played excellent, and throughout the game, it was Notre Dame's offensive line bullying. Navy. Um, and it's not like, oh, it's just an undersized Navy defensive line. Notre Dame couldn't do this last year. And it's mostly the same Navy defense. And uh, they really, really stopped Notre Dame's run game. So that allowed Sam Hartman to do what Sam Hartman does best. They didn't even target the tight end, which just goes to show you how great the receivers were on the day. And Jared Parker, and I always want to say Gerard Parker, because I expect there to be another R, but there isn't. I looked it up right in case, because we do our research here. Jared Parker with a G. Uh, great, great play calling today. I thought he kept everybody on their toes. The third and 10 run with an empty box and no midfielders or midfielders, <laughs> no linebackers right in the middle. I'm just mixing up my sports now. Uh, they were bringing outside pressure. So they, they run estimate up through the middle, basically. Great, great, great play. I don't know. I don't know what else you could have expected there other than some creativity, uh, of a highest level that we haven't seen before. No, that is not a shot at our former offensive coordinator who left us. Um, I love it. I love it. The passing was great. The running was great. They were so balanced, top to bottom. Uh, P, I'll, I'll shoot this over to you because you are, if anybody understands the triple option, it's you. And if uh, anybody has nothing to say about special teamers this week, it should be you. So uh, take over. Yeah. So defending the triple options a bitch. Uh, coaching the triple options even worse. But people were concerned about the, the gains and, and all of that. Uh, they shouldn't be like the guy. I'm not going to remember the Navy running bats name who ran the, who gashed us for a couple runs. Uh, It happens. And especially with this new triple option of the running, it's not the Navy triple that we've seen. It's a Kennesaw state uh, kind of bastardization of the triple. So the defense did what the defense had to do. And when we got into obvious passing downs, I'm high on Ty Lavatai. I think he will be a good, quarterback just not against quality opponents uh so really overall there's no concern there uh especially with that kennesaw state triple which is very different than what we've seen previously and special teams too there's no need to worry schrader has a leg he pulled one right uh he still hasn't missed a kick on american soil so i'm not concerned uh wearing blue and gold we don't talk about his former uh places that he coached or kicked the kickoffs were great the average starting field position was around the 25 yard line everyone was a touchback 
And this is going to be really important when you get to the USC game with that Zachariah Jebediah, whatever the fuck his name is, uh, receiver returning the kicks. Uh, if you can put one in the back of the end zone consistently every time, it's money. And uh, that's all I got to say about that. I wish we punted at the, that last uh, drive. I just wanted one punt. Turbo foot is going to do turbo foot things. Uh, so I'm, I'm like edging special teams right now. Let's hope we don't see turbo foot for at least another week yet because we're playing Tennessee State, and that's a team that we should not get off the field on. Steve, thoughts on the game? Uh, so two things worth noting. Of the seven drives that Navy had, only two of them were of five minutes or more. They had two drives of eight minutes, so they weren't the normal melt-the-clock long drives that you know we're, we're used to seeing with Navy. Um, and then additionally, the longest rush that Navy had on the entire day was 14 yards. So yeah, we had a couple of gashes here and there, but like they looked like gashes, but it was like eight, nine yards. And then, okay, yeah, you give up a first down, but then you stop them in three and, you know, the, the next, uh, you know, drive or you know, the next round of downs, you, you just get them off the, the field, whether it's by punt, turnover, or, or or by downs. So we did a great job of even when those long runs did happen, you know, basically uh, recovering pretty quickly. Linebackers were impressive. Um, you know, Maris Leofau, I, I think I got my swagger back. Like he, uh, you know, of course he's not going to be, you know, perfect. And, and I think he might've missed one tackle. I, th I think I saw, but all things considered against a triple option. I mean, the guy was playing, he was playing some ball. So it, it's great to see him, uh, you know, get back to, uh, to the expectations of, of, you know, the, the level of play we're used to with, with him. So, um, defense was incredibly strong offense. Yeah. Like you mentioned, we didn't even target a tight end, but that's because we were able to spread it far and wide, uh, at the wide receiver position. And, and, you know, we have a true freshman that's contributing three catches and two touchdowns. When's the last time you heard that about a true freshman wide receiver? Was it legitimately Michael Floyd? Is that the answer back in 2008? Um, I, because I can't think yeah. of another one, uh, P yeah, it was. I believe Floyd. I think yeah, it has to be Floyd. Uh, let me let me research it, but that sounds right. Yeah, I mean, but you think about that. That's 2008 to 2013. That's like what 15 years, if I'm doing my math correctly, which I usually don't because I'm very stupid. But um, you know, Sam Hartman, incredible. Of the you know, again, he he had four incompletions. One was one that hit Toby Merriweather in the hands on a screen pass that just you know. It is what it is. I'm not concerned about Merriweather. It's okay. He'll be fine. Games like this happen. No big deal. He'll be great going forward. Um, and uh, another was, I think, him just clocking the ball. So he really only had two incompletions all day. Uh, one of them what could have been a, a touchdown pass to Tobias Merriweather that he a little bit underthrew. But again, first game of the season, you're getting up to game speed for the first time. I think we'll be perfectly fine going forward. So we avoided turnovers. Um, you know, the fumbles were a little bit concerning, but we will be quite all right with that. But just offense, defense, incredible performance, special teams. I won't comment and I'll turn back over to you, Mr. Wagon. So the last Notre Dame receivers to have two touchdown catches in a uh, freshman season. Devaris Daniels, Michael Floyd, Will Fuller and Equinemius St. Brown. Uh, Floyd okay. did it twice in 09. And 11. Uh, that doesn't make sense. What am I looking for here? Oh, just two touchdown performances, uh, which is strange. 
Yeah, well, this is I like mean, a, this is the like point a, is um, it's it's been far and few between for us to get yeah. uh, young talent on the field and, and not only to get onto the field, but produce at a high level. So good on Jaden Greathouse. He's, he's the only freshman to have caught two touchdowns in his first game since 1996. Who is? Greathouse. Wow, that's incredible. So, yeah, future is bright in South Bend and also in Dublin. Uh, also, speaking of Dublin, quick fact that I read about this game that I thought was really cool. The estimated economic impact on the city of Dublin is $159 million that flowed in there this weekend from Irish fans who set a uh, quote-unquote world record for the largest number of Americans traveling internationally for a single sporting event at 39176 So, yeah, we're pretty relevant. Yeah, we're pretty relevant. Uh, we're, we're, we we make an impact. So uh, that's my closing thoughts on on the entirety of, of this game. And we sunk the midshipmen per the usual arrangement. 70K traveled over for D-Day. So put that into perspective. <laughs> oh, my God. It's funny because I was thinking the same kind of thing. Um, yeah, the team was awesome. How great was J.D. Bertrand as well uh, as as your Mike, as your quarterback back there on the defense? I, I was watching back the clip of, of Burnham's sack, and you see Bertrand dissect what's going on and then shoot as uh, he just comes flying in, causing problems. Um, I just I, I, I love what I've seen from, from the linebackers, which was a huge, uh, I think, improvement from last year. Um, the defensive line has taken the steps I think it needed to. Uh, that was my big concern going into the season, and I think we saw a great play. I mean, they threw the ball, what, four times, and we sacked them twice and recovered, uh, or they had the missed snap. Like, pretty good, pretty good stats on the day. Uh, I loved it from top to bottom, and, you know, Steve, you talk about the, the size of the brand, and that's evident, right? The 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 economic impact Notre Dream brings to anywhere they go. Um, and the fact that they can go anywhere and do that is pretty impressive. Um, one thing uh, I did want to talk about, too, is the uniforms. How sexy did we look on Saturday? And, were, you know, little little off the cuff here, but if you guys could think off the top of your head, where do you rank it among Notre Dame alternate jerseys slash uniforms in the last, you know, 10 plus years? Certainly no Yankee Stadium 2018 jersey. That's for sure. Um, I would say it's definitely got to be in without seeing, uh, all of them will kind of laid out in front of me. It's definitely within the top five. Well, cause when did we have the, uh, like the white under the lights jerseys? What was that? 2012. Those were fire. Um, yeah, I mean, these, these, they're definitely up there. Um, yeah, the like the green, the 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 authentic Kelly greens with the gold trim did it. They were uh, were pretty nice, um, but typically, yeah, it, it's got to be a, a lot of the the Shamrock series have been a, a bit gimmicky at times. There was like that year, I think it might have been 2011 uh, or 2013, I forget, uh, where we had like the the helmet that was like three quarters. It was a three quarters Miami, yeah, 2012. That was horrific. Uh, I don't know why they did that. That was a bad decision. So, and that's and that's uh, arguably not even the worst Shamrock Series uniform we've had. I think the one at Yankee Stadium was just disgusting. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it, it, they did enough where they made some cool tweaks and changes. I really like the interlocking uh, with the you know kind of the Gaelic feel to it. Um, but they also you know stayed pretty true to who we are. So th- those were my thoughts. But what about you guys? 
I would say a uh, good shout on 2011 Michigan. The white, uh, the white and green Adidas jerseys might be the best ever. Um, this one, the Wisconsin Shamrock Series game, uh, I think maybe we have to see them in person, but I think the all greens against Ohio State will be in my top five as well. And I think that's about it. I think I've kind of hated the rest of them. Uh, the all whites were decent. Um, those were pretty pretty sharp. The ones at Fenway were okay. Like I, I'm not a big fan of the color rush, and I think the reason the color rush against Ohio State kind of works is the white. I think the white really minimizes what's going on on that uniform. And when you have that white with the all green, it kind of looks pretty sharp to me. So I love this. I thought this was one of my favorites. I loved the uh, the Celtic knot on the arms. I thought that was great. And I loved the Irish flag at the front. I thought the gold shined beautifully in Aviva. And I've been to Aviva Stadium. Like, what a what a proper place that is. Um, I would love to hear more from the fans who went to the game, what your experiences were like, because I'm sure, I'm sure you were also really, really impressed. So, yeah, that's what I want to say for that. Let's move on to uh, the Four Horsemen. Perfect. Mr. Wagon, I'll let you kick us off with your, uh, we're, we're going to name one horseman each, right? Or, uh, Dylan, spell it out and then we'll pass it over to Mr. Wagon to start. Sure. So we'll, we'll all, instead of doing them every week, four of us each, um, I'm, we're just going to pick one each and then we can kind of like fight over the fourth maybe. Um, and I'm sure this week it'll just be units because everybody was so good. Um, but yeah, just, we each pick one and then we kind of discuss a fourth as well. So Steve, who's, uh, who's your horseman of the game? Yeah. Gerard Parker. Great. Jared. Jared Parker. It's Jared Parker. That's what I said. Duh. Idiot. <laughs> um, Jared Parker. Um, great play calling, you know, spread it out, had some screens, had some quick hitters, um, you know, sent guys down the field, but there, you know, there was certainly a lot of check downs. Like I'm, I'm thinking of Tyree on his catch and shimmy and, and he picked up a first down. Um, knew when to go up top, knew when to, to call certain plays. I think if we go with the advanced analytics, they were like, uh, when they passed on first down, there was a huge success rate. I think like nearly 60% of, of, uh, their first downs came from early down passing or something. So like, yeah, they did what they needed to do and, uh, they protected Sam Hartman. They, they did, uh, you know, hopefully a little bit more play action going forward, I think would be cool, but for what it was, it it was spectacular. Um, you know, like you you highlighted earlier that uh, that call to the the run play when they emptied out the box when they when they sent everybody out wide. Like, okay, if you're gonna leave the middle of the field open to our gargantuan uh, offensive line with our stable of running backs, I think all five running backs on the roster could be a thousand yard rushers. It's like we we have some ponies back there, and if you're gonna give them open field to gallop, then yeah, sure, we'll take it. So, uh, Jared Parker. I said it correctly. You are a horseman of the week. Uh, P wagon. What do you think? I'm sure. I'm sure you got a nice take. Uh, the offensive line, just overall, all of them, all five of them, they played very well. They didn't let up any pressure or any pressure that resulted in anything. Uh, and then, just overall, I thought whoever was in there played very well. Uh, I think that the five that we saw, Joe, uh, Pat, Zeke, Rocco, and Blake, are going to be a force to be reckoned with moving forward. Uh, so, yeah. There, there's and there's depth on the offensive line, right? There if anybody is. goes down, I feel good about Baker coming in. I feel great about Billy Shrouth coming in or uh, Christophic coming in. Like, I, I don't know when we've had an offensive line this good, and that's crazy. 
to say. It's probably say, not that long ago, but still, 2017 maybe? One quick thing about the tight ends not doing anything. Navy's defense presented that the tight ends had a block. That's what it came down to. So you, a lot of those pressures can also be, or lack of pressures, can be attributed to the tight ends staying in and blocking. You saw kind of later in the game, Holden stays blocked downfield, almost got into a little uh, kerfuffle, if you will, with a defensive back. But uh, they 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 blocked the hell out of out of the game, so that that was good. Yeah, I, I think uh, quickly, Dylan. Before I turn it over to you, I, I think Sam Hartman really showed a, a, a <clears throat> excuse me a hell of a pocket presence and the ability to look downfield and then, when necessary, you know, check down. So there's going to be plenty of opportunities to find his six foot five tight ends over the course of the season. Definitely not worried. But over to you, Dylan. Well, uh, my Horseman of the Week is none other than the 2023 Heisman Trophy winner. Um, that is Sammy Heisman, or otherwise known as Sam Hartman. Uh, Notre Dame legend after one game, beautiful flow, beautiful beard, great pictures, loves, he already knows the alma mater. Like what the hell? He's a, he's a sixth year. He doesn't need to learn that. Love it. I think the leadership's there. I think the work ethic's there and the talent is clearly there. Um, Steve, you brought up the advanced analytics when NDFB analytics on Twitter sent us their recap of the game. I looked at one number and that was Sam Hartman's EPA per play. And uh, for those of you who are new to the show or might not be familiar, the EPA per play is just the expected points added per play. Very simple. You know, it, it's meant to determine efficiency and uh, how well you're moving the ball down the field. Um, in the past, elite, elite quarterbacks, we're talking Joe Burrow, Tua, they were hanging, I believe, the high 0.3 to 0.4 uh, EPA per play. Pass in this case, Sam Hartman was well over 0.7, like well close to 0.8, almost a point per play. That's ridiculous. That's not sustainable, but that's ridiculous. That's one of the best quarterback performances I've seen at an in a Notre Dame uniform. And I know it's Navy, but he was clinical. Uh, the only the the drop pass. There was one drop pass. There was one down ball. He was nearly perfect accuracy wise. He had four touchdowns. He hit a bazillion different receivers. He spread it out. He looked so poised. Uh, could easily move around the pocket. What else is there to say? That is the type of performance. If we get stuff like that week in week out, that's a Heisman winner. And I don't expect it at this level every week. But I expect a Heisman contender. And I think this is the first time we can say that legitimately. Not just as a propaganda podcast, but I think it's the first time we can say it legitimately since Manti Teo in 2012. You forget yeah. Josh Adams had a whole Heisman Trophy for, for like three weeks, and that's only because then, Quentin Nelson was eating people alive on the. Then he disappeared. Line. Thirty-three trucking started and then just disappeared from existence. He blew a tire. Yeah. Um, no, this is great. It's it's great to have a guy also that pushes the ball downfield. And we've we've talked about this ad nauseum in the past. But um, if you look at it, you know the advanced analytics going into the season, like his average air yards, basically his his ability to air the ball out, how far the ball travels downfield on on each pass, was always way way way. Uh, he he was an outlier in terms of the standard deviation line of major college football quarterbacks. Like a, a lot of guys are in the like you know, the, like the six to seven yard range. And I think he was averaging like 10 or 11 yards downfield after his average pass attempt. So 
He's willing to get the ball downfield. And when you're, if you're throwing the ball 11 yards downfield and your guy catches it, that's a first down every time. Like it's, and then when you have the, uh, the cornerbacks on their, on their heels, you're going to open up the run game and we know how that's going to end up for Notre Dame. So yeah, it, I, it, it could not be a more perfect scenario to have Hartman. So, uh, I don't care if, uh, where do I need to go to church? How many candles do I need to, to light? How many prayers do I need to say? How, like, do I need to sacrifice anything like do i need to go and and like find an animal in the woods to sacrifice whatever it takes to have this young man be healthy for the next i don't know 20 weeks i will do it i will do anything i will do anything to have him have a fully healthy season because it means what we all think it means a national championship just in case it wasn't obvious okay back to you guys not not to get too off the the rails here but there's certain fans that are saying that, oh, Notre Dame's overreacting to a week one win versus Navy, who are going to be the same people to point whatever the Ohio State quarterback's name is uh, as the second coming of Christ after they beat Indiana. Uh, it, it's just absolutely ridiculous. It's 2023. The football season has started. Why can't we be optimistic? Why, why are these fans moving the goalposts after – that school in Ann Arbor beats up on ECU without their criminal coach. Uh, they're going to say Cade McNamara should be president. Like it's just ridiculous that these fans are, are trying to move the goalpost because we beat Navy. Like, fuck you. <laughs> I love the Cade McNamara drop when JJ McCarthy is the quarterback and Cade is in an Iowa or something, but perfect. I that you to be honest for with you, more P wagon. No state. idea who that irrelevant quarterback is in Ann Arbor. In yeah, and he's school. he's he's I think he's decent. I just think he's a bit overrated and I don't think he's anywhere near Sam Hartman. Um but I think that'll be evident throughout the course of the season. Notre Dame looks good, man. Audric Estime looks great. And the only time he fumbles the ball is when he's like fighting tooth and nail to get an extra 800 yards after being tackled. And that's when the ball comes loose. And you know what? I'll take those. If it means getting a first down, we recovered half the time. Uh, but obviously, he's got to hold on to the ball a little more. But I don't even want to say that's a criticism of his game because he was so good today, uh, both as the passing uh, the passing running back, obviously, on that one big play where he slips out on a blitz. Um, and then as the running back, as a blocker, I just I love what he's bringing. I love what the running backs as a group are bringing. I mean, how happy were you guys to see Jadarian Price after that horrible injury? And he was the top running back in that camp that year. Missed his whole freshman season because of it. Man, did he look good. Right through the middle, explosive. I see a lot of Josh Adams in that sense where it's just see a hole and bye-bye. Um, Jeremiah Love looked great. Uh, Payne looked great. Uh, is it Ford, the Penn State transfer? I'm still Devin getting Ford. Yes. Devin Ford. Yes. Everybody looked good. Everybody looked good, but it's very clear that Notre Dame's running back stable is absurd. And when you look at the recruiting classes coming in in the next two seasons, it'll be even more absurd. I love it. I love it. The receivers look great. I mean, Jaden Greathouse, two touchdowns. I mean, to be fair, he was handed a silver platter on the second one. Like, he did a great <laughs> job of, of just finding, getting loose and finding space for Sam and then just a beauty of a play. And we haven't even talked about the defense. That's how great the team was. Uh, offensively, and that's what we've needed because we know the defense is stout. Even if they were not to their potential, if they were like they were last year, they were a good defense. If they can get back to being stout like they were under Clark Lee and Marcus Freeman, man, this team's going to be hard to beat. 
anywhere, any team. It doesn't matter. This team is a legitimate contender, and I think that's I confirmed that easily in the first game. And one of uh, we retweeted today, and uh, someone who covers Navy for a very long time had put out a tweet saying that is the best Notre Dame team he has seen since 2012, which was the year Notre Dame went to the national championship game. So keep that in mind. There's reason for optimism. You know, like P Wagon said, screw the other fans. I don't care what they say. Ohio State fans were talking about us the whole game because they saw what happened. And they're a little scared. They don't want to admit that, but they're a little bit scared. I feel good about it. Steve, I'm going to pass that back to you. September 23rd, baby. Bring everything you're going to You're gonna need everything. Bring the kitchen sink and throw it at us, and we're going to kick it right back in your friggin' buck teeth, buckeye bitches. Anyway, uh, do, did we name a fourth horseman? Because, I don't know, it, it's hard. You know, the, fr- the defensive front seven, you have to give it to as a crew collectively. They were incredible. The offensive line was incredible. They protected Hartman. They pushed everyone off the ball and opened up room for the ponies to gallop. And then the ponies themselves, the, 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 the offensive backfield, the running backs were incredible, uh, averaging six yards per carry. So I can't even think of a, a, you know, the whole team is the fourth horseman, but if we had to pick one, I can't. So, uh, you know, just very satisfied with the performance start to finish. I'll let you guys uh, close out the horseman segment and then we can move on to the TSU Tigers. I think everything is a fair answer. Like I think everyone, like everyone is the fourth horseman that wasn't already at horseman. <laughs> I think that I'm okay with that. P wagon. What do you think? Agreed. Agreed. All right. Perfect. So nice. Tennessee State Tigers. It's going to be this upcoming Saturday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's going to be on NBC. Uh, obviously worth note, this is the first FCS team that Notre Dame is playing in their entire 62,000-year history. Uh, and Dylan, I'll, I'll turn over to you. Seems like you have a point here. Yeah, I've, uh, I've, come, I've come around on this. So you just brought it up. That's the first time Notre Dame has ever played an FCS team. And that's something we very proudly uh, claim as our strength of schedule is something that matters to us. Here's something I'm going to say. The FCS wasn't around forever. And if you look back at some Notre Dame schedules from a long time ago, there are some teams that are FCS quality, let's say. Chicago physicians. (laughs) Yes. We've... uh, I'm pretty sure we've played like the fire department once, you know, like not really, but maybe Um, like, you know, some of those Michigan national championship schedules where they played like some kind of boys high school and they count that as a game. Yeah, we we may have had a few of those in the past. So I'm not going to sit here and say first time in Notre Dame's history, we've never played a team that just doesn't belong in the same league as us. I'm I'm over that. I think that's an FCS thing. It was nice while it lasted. But you know what? If we're going to give that up, it's. It's best to give it up to a historically black college, which is what Tennessee State is, which is great because it gives exposure to to this program. Um, and I think that's a change Marcus Freeman wanted to make from the start. And you know what? I'm all for supporting the coach. We talked about that last year when it was announced. We, you know, if it's something Marcus wanted, something we'd be okay with. So I've come along. I've come around to it. I'm I'm not bothered by it anymore. Um, I think if you're going to play it, that kind of school is the type of school to do it against. Um, and uh, I'm excited for it. So I, I I know I had to jump in right there, but just a point on the history doesn't bother me anymore, and uh, I'm okay with it. No, that's totally fine. And then two additional points. So I, I was uh, staunchly on the other side, but I get, you know what, you make a great point, and I'm actually kind of, 
you know, warmed up to uh, to the idea of now playing an FCF school because, again, yeah, you think back to the 1906 season and who our schedule was, then, okay, yeah, great, great point. And my mind was changed because I was open to it. Learn that, America. Anyway, um, yeah, HBCU, cool thing. You know, it's it's a unique thing that you know, obviously, uh, Coach Freeman is is making a part of his platform in order to you know to elevate these guys, and that's great. And also, it's it's Eddie George, uh, Tennessee Titan legend, is uh, the head coach there. So that's kind of a, a you know uh, also a unique uh, part of of this equation where it's you know you have some legendary NFL player. Uh, or quasi-legendary NFL player. Is, is Eddie George legendary? I think he is. He yes. was incredible. 1,000%. One, 1, him and Steve. Yeah, Schneider. okay. Awesome. 1999, they were fucked by the refs. They should have won that Super Bowl. Absolutely, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm a, I've come around on it. I think it's cool. But, yeah, 3.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I don't know anything about them. Mr. Wagon, oh. I think that you're quite familiar. So this is where we're going to turn over to you. And Am give I ever. And as as you all know, I don't research anything for this podcast <laughs> but uh, you'll research the fc but i know these schools better than they know themselves i don't like one thing that they do but we'll get to that later uh this is tennessee state the tigers their motto is think work serve their head coach is eddie george he's nine and 13 in three years uh, but he previously played at both tennessee and the ohio state university uh their mascot is aristocrat aristocat the tiger which i kind of like they play where the titans play nissan stadium uh guess how many undergrad students they have Five thousand. Forty two hundred. Seven thousand six hundred seventy eight undergrads 1540 grad students for a total population of 9218 in nashville tennessee they were established in 1912 they play in the ohio valley conference uh and the Moment you've all been waiting for the famous alumni of Tennessee State, UL Rip Gooch. I'm not going to tell you what he did. He, but that's his name, Rip Gooch. Young Buck, member of G Unit. Oprah Winfrey, you know her. Ed Too Tall Jones. A bunch of Olympians, uh, including one named Chandra Cheeseborough, and. Uh, uh, hip-hop producer key wayne uh that's all i got uh rip gooch but the tennessee state tigers they don't list their kicker or punter appropriately it's they're both kickers slash punters james lowry and ahmed muhammad one's a redshirt junior one's a freshman i don't like that i don't know if one's a kicker one's a punter they're they kind of do this hybrid type of thing and it bothers me it, it's unnatural so there you go. What other podcast will you guys find that does zero, zero information on the opponent this week, yet has a fairly thorough breakdown of their special teams group? Only the Four Horsemen podcast, only the Four Horsemen podcast would know an FCS school's special teamers, and only P-Wagon would do research for something as trivial as this. Their, I love uh, it. Their kicker actually transferred from Northern Illinois, so he's a D1 kicker. Uh, so I'm he I'm interested to see how he kicks. He'll only get one kick in the game. Uh, much like Rick Gooch only had one uh, one year as a member of the Kansas Senate. <laughs> oh my God! Nothing will beat the Cam Newton Auburn quarterbacks run receivers conversation. Get, don't get me started. I'm I'll sorry. Every Every time I laugh from something you say, I just think about that conversation. 
still the funniest thing maybe of all time. Um, let's uh, let's look around the college football landscape, guys. Talk about what's going on as we head into week one. Obviously, week zero had nothing happen. USC struggled to put away a San Jose State University. I can't even believe they gave up 28 points. Neither here nor there. Let's head into week one. I got uh, I got Florida and Utah at a neutral site game in the state of Utah. What do you guys think of this? Is Florida really, really screwed this year or or what? Uh, I like Florida. Cam Rising hasn't played a lot. He's still recovering from injury. I think Florida covers at least seven, but could win outright. I'm going with Utah. I think they're a program that's on the ascendancy, and they're, you know, uh, for the foreseeable future, going to be dominating, uh, I think, the Pac-12, I think, or, uh, until as long as it lasts. I, I think they're going to win the, the conference this year. As long as it lasts, which is one more season. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to take Utah here. I, I'm going to take them. I'm going to take them big. I'm going to take them to cover. I'm going to take them to embarrass the SEC, which is something the SEC needs, let's be honest. They uh, they get a little too cocky as a conference when only two or three of their teams are ever really good. Um, and Florida is kind of a joke right now. So we'll see how that turns out for them. I, I'm sure they'll get it turned around. NIL is a thing. History has shown us that three Florida schools can be elite at the same time. There's enough talent there. The Gators will be back, but I don't think it'll be this year. Um, let's go to the Big Ten, um, two schools that just exist right now at the moment. Uh, those are the Nebraska Cornhuskers led by first-year head coach Matt Rule, who I am a fan of. They're going to Minnesota to play on the ever-underrated Minnesota Gophers. Uh, P.J. Flex, the head coach there. I just love their defensive coordinator, Mr. Rossi. I think he uh, has a future at Notre Dame if, uh, if Golden moves on one day. What do you guys think of this one? This is a Big Ten matchup. It's going to be probably a score of 17-14, to 14, and uh, it'll be boring. So the type of game P. Wagon loves. Uh, Matt Rule is my Big Ten coach. I like them to win. I don't like the new clock rules. We haven't talked about that. Uh, I think it's stupid that the ball doesn't or the clock doesn't stop after a first down. Uh, you're making it more like the NFL than it is college, and I just don't play it like it. I found this is the time to talk about that. Uh, and yeah, Nebraska by three. You know what? That's a good point. I want to jump right in there, too, because we didn't really talk about it. It pisses me off that the rules are being changed to shorten the game. I understand that. I don't want to watch four-hour football games either. However, the networks, instead of just reducing the amount of advertisements they put on, are changing the rules of the game. That And they're the ones putting the pressure on, on the NCAA to do this. So we're getting more NFL style which is something the networks do not understand. We like college football because it's college football. I don't like the NFL as much as I like college football. I like the NFL, but I'm a college football guy. Most of us are college football people. We don't want to see this become the NFL. So the clock thing is another way in which the networks, just like through conference realignment, are ruining the sport and making it more commercial, more NFL, and less heart and soul, which is what college football is all about. Steve, continue. Everything you just said is exactly correct, yes. I endorse that 100%. And then additionally, in regards to uh, Mr. Wagon, I also endorse you 100%. Matt Rule is my, uh, uh, I, I like him as a college coach, obviously not so great in the NFL, but I'm going to ride with Nebraska on this one. Um, it's probably going to be a tight game because um, Minnesota is, is always a frisky team. 
they they always feel like you know they could go eight and four, nine and nine and three, and and play spoiler some years in the the Big Ten West. But uh, I'm gonna go with Nebraska. Hopefully they they can again start kind of picking picking their uh, their heels back up and getting back to some sort of national prominence. That would be fun. Um, Matt Rule, coach in the NFL. Yeah, he left Baylor for the Carolina Panthers and. There's a reason he's back in, in uh, at Nebraska. Let's just put it that way. Well, you learn something new every day. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I blame anyone for the Carolina Panthers being the Carolina Panthers. Um, as Lee Corso says, not so fast, my friend. Ooh. I'm taking the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Not just because I love the Golden Gophers and the fact that they have more actual real national championships than the University of Michigan, <laughs> but rather that they're a scrappy little team up in Minnesota, and I just love them. I just love them. They're at home. That was big for me in this one, and I think they're going to give Iowa the best run for their money in the Big Ten West this year. I'm taking Minnesota, and uh, I don't know what the line is, so I'm not going to comment on that. Uh, next up, we got the Battle of the Carolinas. Uh, the Tar Heels are playing the Gamecocks, UNC, Scar. Uh, that's another neutral site game at Bank of America Stadium. P-Wagon, who do you like here? Not Drake May. South Carolina by 50. I'm anti-Drake May because everyone is so, oh, he's he's a great quarterback. He's a Heisman hopeful, blah, 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 blah. And when he plays real teams, he he isn't. But we all, and so I want this to be a game where you see that he's a fraud. So I, I think this is the Drake May fraud game, and I'm on South Carolina by not 50. That was a over-exaggeration. By, like, two. Quite the turnaround there. Uh, yeah, being the uh, the South Carolina guy on the podcast, I uh, feel it's my obligation to pick a secondary team down here, and it sure as shit is not going to be Clemson. So, Going with the Gamecocks in this one. Uh, I just think that SEC defense is going to chew up Drake May in the offensive line. Man, what an intriguing matchup. We saw South Carolina firsthand in the bowl game last year, and I was impressed. I think they're running as much as we may have feelings about the coach. I think they're running a pretty good job there. Yeah. I like that program. They're recruiting well. But man, so is North Carolina. And Drake May, you know, I understand P. Wagon's position, but... He is a Heisman contender for a reason. He's going to be the first or second overall pick in the draft this year. Oh, man, that's a tough one. I would like to pick the home team, but we don't really have one. You know what? I'm going to stick with my ACC brethren. I'm taking the Tar Heels. It could go either way. I got no betting advice on that one. I think that's going to be a hell of a ball game. All right, moving on. LSU, Florida State, also a neutral site game. What a game that is. P-Wagon, are you, can you answer this without bias? No. Me? <laughs> um, I don't know, dude. Part of me says LSU because I don't like the Florida State hype. Part of me says Florida State because I don't want Brian Kelly to win a big game. Um... Gun to my head, Florida State wins because there's a lot of infighting in the locker room at LSU, and that's just from what I'm reading. Jay Bramblett hits a 
80-yard punt and solidifies himself as the Ray Guy Award winner. Uh, yep, there we go. Florida State by half a point. I don't care. <laughs> um, just because I think it would be absolute justice to have a playoff game and playoff victory against Brian Kelly and LSU. I want LSU to uh, to make the playoffs, and they're not going to do so by losing this game. So LSU to win. What uh, what do you guys think the line is on this game? Just without looking, because I, I got one bookie up here, and I'm just curious who you think the favorite is. Is it in Tallahassee or Baton Rouge? It's a neutral site game at the Camping World Bowl, uh, Camping World Stadium in Orlando, That's Florida. Orlando, yeah. Okay, so it's going to be a Florida-heavy crowd then, but LSU does travel pretty well. They also don't have a great history in Camping World Bowl. But uh, <laughs> so. Uh, happy new year i'm gonna say it's probably gonna be florida state minus two and a half p what do you think or do you know the answer uh well i bet on it so okay (laughs) well then um let me just tell the audience that steve got the number right that i'm seeing it is two and a half however lsu is the favorite team by uh two and a half it's a neutral site game, so they're saying LSU is better than Florida State, which makes sense. LSU is ranked five, Florida State's ranked eighth. If it's a neutral site, theoretically, you would expect the higher ranked team to be favored. So that's the case. Uh, how did you bet there, P Wagon? Because I know you're a, a soft gambler here and there. That's a word. Uh, I did bet the under, and I took LSU money line. But just for the sake of this podcast, I went against that because I don't understand the hype behind florida state uh so this is a real conundrum that i have right now but uh where did this hype come from did bobby bowden like decide to re-coach again reanimate and coach like what i don't understand where the hype came from about florida state so have they done anything jordan travis is he still a a yeah so there's this is where i stand on florida state i think they're really good and i also think they're overrated because of how much hype they're getting Florida State had a really good season last year, but they didn't beat a lot of impressive teams, and they beat, I think, a pitiful Oklahoma team in the bowl game. But that's a big program, and it vaulted them, I think, into all this momentum heading into the next season. Jordan Travis is legit. He's gotten back to where he was pre-injury, and Florida State has a hell of a receiver core. Um, I like Florida State. I just don't think they're this boogeyman people are making them out to be. On the flip side, I don't think LSU is that great either. I think Brian Kelly kind of got lucky in um, Alabama being the weakest it's been. And I think you saw LSU struggle in certain games. I mean, they lost to Texas A&M. They got blown out in another game. I uh, and I believe they played each other last year, LSU and Florida State. I think that was. I think this is maybe a, a two-parter. First, first game, LSU lost by a uh, missed field goal at the end of the game. Man, I was in Ireland, too. My memory is on college football is sometimes crazy. Uh, and other times I can't remember players' names. That's how it goes. I'm taking the Florida State Seminoles here because I like the quarterback more. I like the offensive talent more. I do like Florida State. I just don't think they're necessarily the eighth best team in the country. I think them and Clemson are very similar. and I think that'll be a hell of a game. But I'm taking, I'm taking the Noles over the Tigers. I don't really believe in either team too, too much. And it should be a banger. So, yeah, I'll take Florida State money line. I'll take them to cover. 
And then let's move to our last game. Speaking of Clemson, Duke Clemson to start the year. I believe the game is in Clemson, like it's at Clemson, it's Death Valley. So that is kind of a big factor. But Duke is underrated, and it's a team Notre Dame's going to see this year. Steve, P-Wagon, whoever wants to go first, what do you think? No, it's at Duke. Oh, it is. I wrote that backwards. Wallace Wade in, in, uh, in Durham. Oh, man, that's got upset city written all over it. What do you think? And it's also on a Monday at 8 o'clock p.m. That's another factor in here. So And and week one games are always weird. Like week zero, like your first game of the year, it's kind of a preseason game. That is, I don't know if I'm taking Duke, but that is upset alert for me. Yeah, you know what? I just convinced myself because I don't think Cade Klubnik is shit. So is is worth shit. So um, and I really hope that doesn't come back to bite me in the ass at a later point in time, mainly November. But yeah, fuck it, go Dukies. Go Duke. Dabo's real name is William. <laughs> and you're taking Duke, I'm guessing. Yes. Yep. Okay. Well, three of us can't take Duke. Uh, I'll take Clemson, but I'll take it close. Like I think Duke's going to cover that spread. I'm seeing 12 and a half for Clemson. I like that all day. I like Kate Klubnik. Klubnik. I just, I just don't believe in Clemson at to be Clemson anymore. Like I believe Clemson to beat Florida State this year. I believe that. I believe Clemson to give us a hard game this year. I just don't see Clemson as the team that won those national championships with generational quarterbacks they got a little lucky with the two quarterbacks they brought in uh deshaun watson obviously and and trevor lawrence i just don't think club that guy yet um he could be maybe i'll take them i'll take clemson begrudgingly but man i just i'm not sold on them this year i'm not sold on ohio state this year i am sold on usc's offense at least this could be a year for notre dame boys i know i know we're going back a little off tracks but how excited are you? This I'm looking at this schedule thinking, I think we should win every game. Like, legitimately. I think we should be favored in every game this year at this Don't point. Because I don't think I, Ohio State is shit. Sorry, I'll shut up now. Do you how do you remember, you may not be old enough for this, when Clemsoning was a thing? Like, kind of. Like, I wasn't really on social media, so I wouldn't have seen it. But I, I was around in that era where Clemson was Clemson. Okay. Because Clemsoning was a thing. It was a adjective or a verb, one of those, to lose in spectacular fashion. It didn't just come out of nowhere. That's all I'm going to say. If Brian Kelly didn't throw the ball 50 times in a hurricane, Clemsoning would still be a thing. Hmm. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I definitely agree with you, Dylan. Uh, as I tweeted out this past Saturday, like, this is the most fun that I've had watching college football in such a long time. Like I can't think of the last time I've had like just so much hope ahead of me. And then just a, a total trust in every aspect of the, uh, of, of the roster and, and kind of what we touched upon in the podcast last week. It always felt like Notre Dame had great, great teams. It just felt like we never, there was always one missing piece. When we had the offensive line, we were lacking the running backs. When we had the running backs, it wasn't the wide receivers, the quarterback, the whatever it may be. There was always that one piece missing. I don't see a piece missing this year, just to reiterate what we've said in the past, and, and that's what makes it so exciting. So pray for the continued health of all the guys on the field, because if uh, if we're healthy for all 12 games, we are deep, we are talented, and uh, and Sam Hartman is going to win the Heisman. So this is something I just, where did it come from? Like, I don't know if you guys remember, like, where did 
all of this confidence in this Notre Dame team come from? Because in the spring, I didn't have it. I thought they could be good offensively. I thought Sam Hartman was the shit. I thought he was going to be awesome. But I had concerns about the defensive line, the safeties, and the linebackers. That's that's not good. And from somehow, from the blue and gold game to the Navy game, very quietly out of nowhere, we've all just got really confident probably because of things we were seeing and, and, and it was building. Like we could hear it in camp. We saw it in the videos. The development happened, but it was so quiet. It was so all of a sudden it's like a, it's like good old snap of the fingers. I can't do that with a pen in my hand. There we go. A nice little Thanos snap of the fingers. And all of a sudden I feel like this is the best team I've seen in since we've covered them, which is crazy because we've covered them for two college football playoff berths. That's how good I feel. The offensive line, it's just Navy, guys. I know. I know. But we know the talent that's there, and we saw them thoroughly dominate every level of the game. They gave up three points. Like, I don't even know how many rushing yards they gave up. It wasn't that much. Like, six, I think. We didn't get to see how good Benjamin Morrison and Cam Hart were today. Think of that. Like, those are our best players on the defense. Like, I just, I'm so excited. This team has just grown on us already. And you could see Sam Hartman is legit. And with a legit quarterback, anything could happen. And if you pair that with the quality of teams that we've had in our playoff runs, we're going to be a force not just to make the playoff, to win the national championship. And I am so excited. It is September, almost. God bless college football. I love this thing. I love doing this. Somebody cut me off before I start saying crazy shit. And we also have the leadership. We have a guy that has been able to win big games early on in his career. Of course, there's been some hiccups. We're not going to talk about those. If you do, I'll punch you in the face. And there's also great play calling, as we've seen. Uh, so that's a, a fun little wrinkle uh, that that's changed. So roster build, leadership, play calling, and play design. Uh, position coaches, Coach Delan McCullough, shout out. Coach uh, wide, wide receiver coach um, Chancey Stuckey, shout out. Uh, you know, co- offensive line coach. Um, you guys know his name. I'm not going to say it because you already know it, so I don't even have to. Oh, so shout out him. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, but I didn't have to because you knew it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's great. Like coaching staff, players, everything, every uh, and and it's just. We have a tough enough schedule where obviously we're going to have a resume, but it, it just, I'm not afraid of these games. I'm not afraid of these games. I'm not afraid to go up against Heisman winner, you know, paint your nails, bitch. I don't care. We're going, like, we are going to dominate your offensive line and your defensive line. You're not doing that again this year. I'm not afraid of Clemson. I'm not afraid of Ohio State. You're in a transition year. Okay, yeah, you still got talented wide receivers. I don't care. Good luck getting the ball to them, bro. I'm not afraid anymore. I'm not afraid anymore. <laughs> I, I'm just I'm excited to watch college football. Love this team. Love this program. Those are my final thoughts uh, as we head into uh, this weekend to, to blow out C State and go to 2-0. and So uh, I actually have to run because of prior obligations, but – Go Irish, and it feels like 1988. So thank you score. guys for... Give us a score. Uh, score. Wait, one down yeah. yeah. Um, okay. 59 nothing. Oh, my God. <laughs> Did you just write it down? <laughs> we, we have the same, like, total points. I have it 56 to 3, but that's okay. 59. <laughs> 
That's crazy. <laughs> this is crazy. It, dude, it's every week. It's every, and that happened in real time. Um, yep. Well, 59, nothing go Irish. Love them. Feels like 88. I'm going to let you guys see us out and I unfortunately have to run, but thank you so much and, uh, and go Irish. Thanks, Steve. Uh, P I, I I'm, I'm sure we'll wrap this up anyway here, but, uh, I, for me, it's culture. It's it, it's Freeman has brought a better culture to Notre Dame. Kelly did a good job of establishing a winning culture, but there's a belief and a buy-in to Notre Dame and what makes Notre Dame special, and it is special. And Notre Dame's cool again. And there's something about the swagger that Freeman brings that just you, he gets it, and the team gets it. And the fans and the team, I feel like, have been closer now than ever. And you see that. That really helps, man. I can tell you as a Liverpool fan, when we were winning Premier League and the Ch- and Champions League, that harmony between the manager and the fans and the team, it was there. And I'm seeing this more and more with Notre Dame. And I, that goes a long way because the home crowd does help. And it's, we got two games that are important, that are critical for Notre Dame. And the home crowd is going to be a big part of that. Also, 11-1 and one, Notre Dame is in the playoff, but I'm at the point now where I think we should win 12 games. P-Wagon, uh, take over. I'm with you on that. And just to answer uh, Dr. Abby's question of the week, she's the only one who put actually a good question up there. With everything that was going on week one, she asked, do you think this week's offensive plan was how it will be ran most of the time, mostly running to hide trips up our sleeve, option not listed? Uh, I think we're going to have a very limited playbook going into NC State. If we do see any, like that little wildcat, that's, as a coach, that's what I would do just to annoy the other coach watching film because now they have to waste time practicing it. We may never run that again but it's now in our playbook and they have to devote at least some practice time to it. So you put stuff on film that you may not run again, just kind of as a fuck you to other coaches. I've done it before. I've done it last season, like when I was coaching. Uh, So you put stuff on film that's going to make them dedicate time to figure it out. How how awesome was the wildcat, by the way? I uh, I would like to call it the wild leprechaun. I would like to put that on trademark wild leprechaun. And I think we should run them more. As we've put Sammy Heisman on trademark, because I think we were the first people to call him that as a nickname. Yeah. So we're claiming that. Maybe a t-shirt. This is intellectual property, so it's protected now because it's in the form of artistic expression. And, uh, yeah, I I love it, man. I I thought everything was great. I thought Jared Parker called a great game. The Wildcats, awesome. Um, And, yeah, I think you're right. They're, They're hiding, I think, some of the things... Not just for NC State. I think they got an eye on Ohio State there, too. And I don't think we're seeing the full playbook yet. You know, the tight end's going to get involved more. They're going to have certain packages. You'll see Tobias Merriweather get more and more involved in the game. I mean, he should have had a touchdown. Sam Hartman was late throwing him the ball and then didn't really get enough zip when he did throw it. Uh, Otherwise, Tobias has a touchdown as well. And I I have no concerns with him uh, beginning of the game, drop pass, whatever. Like Steve said, not a big deal. I love it. I, I think this team is... Like mentally there too. Like you said, the coaches, there's just something about it, man. There's something about it. So it appears that Sammy Heisman's been a thing on Notre Dame Twitter for quite a while now. Uh, but we were the first people to hear of it, so it's ours. Uh, we were the first people that mattered to have said it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, I, I think overall we're in a good spot here. I'm optimistic. I think this week is a good... I want every freshman to play this week. Um, I want everyone down to Reno Montefiore to get a snap. Um, he's our backup long snapper. 
I, I kind of want to see Drake Bowen take a snap as a punter. Like, yeah, why at not? this point, if, put, him at, <laughs> put him at quarterback, put him at fullback. Let, let, let's just get wild. Yeah, why not? Something they have to, the coaches have to scheme for the next week. Some run, true freshman a, linebacker play playing quarterback with Drake Bowen at punter. <laughs> there we go. We have a fake punt. That's my bold prediction of the week. It's going to be a third third quarter. They're up 56 nothing. Drake Bowen, fake punt, houses it. Friend of the program. I love it. What's your score prediction for this game? Uh, I have to be respectful here. 78 to three. I love it. I love it. I mean, if this offense moves the ball quick and the, 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 you know, the time stops, not because of first downs, but because of touchdowns, that could happen. I mean, uh, it's an FCS school. I expect a blowout. I don't think we can, I don't think there's an excuse for anything else otherwise. Right. And like we said on the podcast before, good teams win, great teams cover Notre Dame cover against Navy. They better cover against Tennessee state. Yeah, I got nothing else. Uh, I respect Tennessee State. I'm glad they're playing Notre Dame. I'm glad it's on NBC at 3.30, and I'm glad we're going to be 2-0 going into NC State week. Fully agree, man. I, I, I'm excited for the NC State game. I'm excited for this season. I hope you guys listening at home are too because there is such reason to be this year. I'm all for it. I'm all bought in on Sammy Heisman. I'm all bought in on Coach Freeman. I'm bought in on a national championship year. So let's get it. Go Irish.